Arizona Cardinals, Red Sea, rise up, Los Angeles Rams. Let's go, Ramley. Seattle Seahawks. Let's go, 12, get loud. San Francisco 49ers, home of the faithful. West for the West. Well, 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 folks. I bet you weren't expecting one of these. Quest for the West, except uh, the West has been essentially wrapped up and the, the Rams have uh, come away with the crown I I guess in theory, but I mean it must not feel like too much of a of an NFC West victory for them. They lose to to us in overtime. Evan, you guys dropped a game to Seattle to to kind of give it to them. But all three of our teams are going to the playoffs, and we do actually have a Rams correspondent here today for Quest for the West. Let's bring them and. And no, no, you're not, hey. the, you're not the correspondent. <laughs> I, I am the correspondent because the 49ers took over SoFi and now I take over the Rams box. This guy, this guy, you, we you own the Rams in every way now. I was, I mean, we do. <laughs> we're the four, we're also the one in 45 and one in Sean McVay's second half collapses, but hey, it's fine. It's fine. Evan, let's focus on your Cardinals first and foremost, man. Your Cardinals first and foremost. What happened last week against the Seattle Seahawks? And it's something that you ironically kind of predicted could happen and that, you know, the, the, the Cardinals could then not be at home, which you were kind of like for the playoff purposes, the way you guys have played at home, we're kind of like, eh, maybe that's not a bad thing. We have obviously played our best when we've been counted out of every single game and backed against the wall on the road. <laughs> so you know what? Why not? Why not run through the gauntlet? You win this game, you get to go up to Lambeau Field. You win that game, chances are, we'll, we'll say Tampa Bay because they're the next highest ranked team. We'll go there too. Why not run the gauntlet? We're in the dance, we're ready to go, but I'll tell you what happened in two words. Cliff Kingsbury. I got nothing else to say. I, I've said it on this podcast week in and week out about my misnomers or his misnomers and his what 24 and 56 record now whatever the hell it is Whoa. at the end of seasons and he just doesn't know how to close seasons now if we win on monday night which we need to talk about having an nfl game on a monday night in the playoffs by the way i'm curious what you guys think but if we win that first playoff game you know what everything that i just said you know you can chuck it out the door but he has yet to win us a game when it mattered when it mattered so there you go. I, I I got nothing less left to say, man. They just they just crapped the bed. It is it really is unfortunate, but it, it truly is because I was looking at that game and the way it was going, and early Seattle got out to lead, but you guys kind of came back, and I was like, okay, I think they've kind of settled in now. They're gonna take control of that game, and I look look I we watch, we I stopped paying we, attention to what was going on. We we. When you guys tied the game at 17-17, we went up and got almost a pick six, and it was 24-17. At that point, Cardinal Nation is riding high. We're like, oh, my God, is this about to happen? But my very next thought was, do I want to host a playoff game? 
before the before we even kicked it back up that was my first thought how awful is that as a cardinals fan to think that after you go up 24 17 a chance to win your division you're like wait i don't know if i want a playoff game at home how horrible is that it's bad but this is what you've been kind of saying the last few weeks it feels like the cardinals haven't been playing that well at home um so you know you 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 were the one who kind of put the thought process out there in the nugget you guys have played better on the road recently um, it, it seems like that is something that you guys are comfortable doing, almost like putting your own backs against the wall intentionally sort of thing, and that helping you spur performances. Listen, I, I'm not going to knock it because Jimmy Garoppolo, for whatever reason, when his back against the wall seems to perform at an extremely high level, and I think you would agree with that as well. Uh, but listen, uh, you are the Rams correspondent, so how are you feeling <laughs> about the Rams' loss and subsequent NFC West victory? I'm feeling delightful about the Rams' loss, actually. Um <laughs> I don't think the Rams are feeling very great about it, but I mean, the 49ers went in there and absolutely took over the stadium. So uh, you guys, Matthew Stafford talking about, uh, it felt like, you know, he couldn't hear himself. He couldn't hear the calls. That's never a good sign when you're playing at home. Uh, so so won- funny to hear that. Right. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. It's an anomaly. The 49ers faithful has been traveling pretty well and Dallas is already worried about it. As far as the Rams go, um, to be honest, the first half of that game, the Rams were absolutely outplaying the 49ers physically they were more dominant uh they were handling them and they were coming up and being aggressive that kind of rams team is scary for anyone uh but what they showed was that they couldn't keep it up for four quarters they could do it for a half they could play inspired but eventually they could get bullied i don't know if arizona can be that bully arizona is a different type of team they play a different type of way would cliff kingsbury be willing you know to run the ball over and over and over I don't think he will. Um, that's why I kind of question, you know, if the Rams Cardinals thing is actually in the Cardinals favor only for that reason. Well, and Cliff Kingsbury, um, because when it comes down to it, Sean McVay, um, even though he does, you know, make mistakes when they're winning at halftime, they usually win. Um, so getting up early is usually a good sign for them. Can Arizona come back and can Arizona beat them? I think they can, but I think this, kind of this incarnation of the Rams team is going to be a little bit different because they're playing a little bit more physical, bringing extra offensive linemen on the field. Do you think, Evan, do you think that the Cardinals have the defensive line to be able to hold up and stop that run game? Because I think if they do, they do, they can't stop the Los Angeles Rams. Hey, JJ Watt's coming back. There you go. So you, you never, is he, is he going to be the JJ Watt that we know? No, probably not. Is he going to be in a snap count? Probably about 35 ish out of, 60 to 70 ish plays. So maybe about 40 to 50% of the time he'll be on there. Uh, They're saying that he's going to, since he's better in the run defense right now, or maybe that's better for his shoulder considering he won't have to do swim moves to get around the edge. I'm I'm not sure how that factors in, but there, he's going to play the first and second down series. So, you know, stuff the run a little bit, get another edge rusher out there. Um, maybe we can stop the run and, and do something as far as our running game is concerned, what you were bringing up Ant. It looks like James Conner has the same injury that Chase Edmonds just got in Dallas, which is a rib injury. So both both running backs, if they play, won't be healthy. They're gonna have a they're gonna have some sort of rib injury right in the midsection, you know, like where you get tackled and stuff <laughs> as a running back. I, I question being able to do that. Now I'm hoping Rondale Moore is back. So if you can get a semi decent performance out of Eno Benjamin. You have Kyler Murray, one of the best running quarterbacks. You can do bubble screens. There's things you can do, but you can't 
do all those things for 30 plays, which is what I want to see out of the run game. I want to see a minimum of 30 rushing attempts. So if these guys play it, they're going to have to gut it out. But last time we played that defensive line, uh, the Rams D line, that is, we just got abused and manhandled and we really couldn't do a lot of things on that Monday night football game. So if we win, it's going to be because we can rush the ball much like what you guys do, but you guys run a zone running scheme that has always given us problems. You give a lot of people's problems. Uh, Shanahan is great at designing those types of plays. I have really yet to see that out of the Cliff Kingsbury offense on a consistent basis. I mean, right. we talked about what week two or three, whenever we played you guys, whenever we got Kenyon Drake two years ago on that Halloween night game, you know, he just, he was a spark plug. And so we've seen these things from him before, but never from Cliff Kingsbury, never on a consistent basis. So it is his first playoff game. It's Kyler Murray's first playoff game. Maybe they have nothing to lose right now and we see a completely different team or we see exactly what we've been seeing. Question though, the first, the last time you guys played the Rams, that O-line wasn't completely healthy. You guys had some holes and some guys out, correct? Oh, correct. Okay. We had three, three starters out. This last game was the first time in, I think maybe all season. Week guys, one. Since week one that you've had your entire starting O-line. And I, I know there was some up and down play and people were, I saw some Cardinals fans a little upset about how the O-line looked, but for the most part, it's our first time back. It's their first time basically getting game snaps and reps together since week one of the season. Could that bode a little bit more in your guys' favor heading into this matchup? Man, we gave up five sacks. And and for the record, Kyler Murray, uh, Joe Burrow has had the most sacks against him at 51. Kyler Murray had 26. Joe Burrow had something like 340 yards against him for, for the sack yardage losses in those 51 Kyler Murray had like 275 in half as many. And he was almost so like five more sacks. He'd have been right there. So Kyler Murray leads the league in yards per sack average at like nine point something. So I don't trust this. I mean, I don't trust this team. I don't trust the quarterback. I don't trust the offensive line. I damn sure don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. But when I started picking the team, us to win, we started losing. So maybe me doubting them the whole time will, you know, do some sort of reverse psychology <laughs> and bullying them into a win. But you give up five sacks in a game where you could win the division, not even to make the playoffs, win the division. It doesn't bode well for Aaron Donald and company. Von Miller, who actually looked fairly decent against you guys in spurts, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there might have been communication issues, but come on, man. We're talking about guys that have been on the on offensive lines for six, seven, eight years now. Like, you can't be having that kind of problem. You guys are professionals. Figure it the hell out. Another question is, what is the status of DeAndre Hopkins? There is a correspondent for KTAR Sports 620. His name is John Gambadoro Gambo. Some people might know him for his outtakes in the last 17 years. He has been really dialed in with the Arizona Cardinals and the Phoenix Suns. And years and years ago, when Amari Stoudemire was going to make a comeback, this is like 2005, 2006, he was spot on with that and said, you know, I, he didn't look right after that one game. He's probably going to go back on IR. And sure enough, it happened. He's the first one that reported JJ Watt. That's probably going to come back. He reported yesterday that there is an outside hope, but there's an outside chance or there's hope within the organization. However, he worded it that D hop is going to play against the Rams. 
He was in crutches for the past two weeks. I mean, yeah, guys wear boots and stuff just as precautionary purposes, right? So maybe they're throwing people off. I don't know. But when that tweet went out, everyone's eyes went, what? You know what I mean? So there, there's outside hope that he's going to play. But you look at the eye test with him gingerly walking on the sidelines next to nobody in crutches. It just didn't look good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it doesn't look good, but we'll see what happens. Um as 49ers fans, what I can tell you is, is when someone says outside chance of playing, probably probably not playing based on if this was Kyle Shanahan <laughs> sure. logic. If Kyle Shanahan says outside chance, it's just it, he's out. He's out. He's not yep. playing. That That's usually how that works. Uh, but look, you brought it up and mentioned it. Let's let's talk about this. But before we talk about Niners, Cowboys, possibilities here and potentialities. Oh, I have so brought... many questions for you guys, by the way. I'm so, I'm excited <laughs> for that game. I'm I'm excited to get to it as wait, well. Wait, you ask me? I'm a Rams guy. You're a Rams no. guy, and but but still, regardless of that, you have that Niners jersey on. I don't yeah. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Uh, look, the, you this, know what it means. Come I know on. what it means. The 49ers, not the 49ers, but the Monday night game, the Super Wild Card Weekend, yeah. Evan. Super Wild Card Weekend. You got Saturday games. You got Sunday games, you got a lone Monday game, and then those Monday teams are going to have to turn around on a short week and play Sunday in the next round of the playoffs. And let's start with you first on this. What are you thinking about this? And we'll get to Evan after this. What are you thinking about this? Because you and I talked about this a little bit on the podcast leading up to essentially this last Sunday's game. And we said, you know, whoever ends up getting that Monday slot, that's kind of a little bit of a disadvantage. It, It sure does seem like a disadvantage. Um, the only thing that I think they could do to make it a com- you know in a, a kind of competitive um, even you know is to have the guys that play on Sunday play on Saturday the next week right um, you you can kind of negotiate it that way but I don't like the Monday night game I think it does put somebody at a disadvantage of playing that night you you know you don't get to prepare everyone else gets to watch that game so if you're you know everyone else is going to kind of know what the seating is minus that you can watch that game and get a good idea of who you're going to play and then. You know, then the Rams and or Cardinals, whoever wins that game, has to turn around and then prepare for whoever it is. Now they'll know to a point, right? If the 49ers win and beat the Cowboys, um, then they know that they're they're not going to be going to Lambeau Field minus a Eagles over uh, Tampa, Tampa, which is uh, probably not going to happen. Never so, say mean, never. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, maybe Tom terrific isn't so terrific. Uh, the the curse of AB, you know, haunts them all. We'll see. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it, I think it does put up a competitive disadvantage. I'm curious to see how the NFL ends up scheduling it out. But when I heard it, it just didn't make a lot of sense. It just seems like those two teams are going to be at more of a disadvantage than any other team in the playoffs. I kind of look at it as a good thing for this game, just for the Cardinals, considering we have so many injuries, I will take the extra day of rest. Going If we win, whoever wins going into the next game, if any of them are scheduled on Saturday, you have to go away from it. That is just not the way to do it. So you're doing this knowing that one of these teams is going to play on Sunday. And it's just it's such a disadvantage at that point. That's an extra less day of rest. And everybody else gets an extra day going in to play you. It, it doesn't make sense. It's I get it from a financial standpoint. NFL is king. Parody is king and you want an extra day with eyes on your product as opposed to I know that they kind of schedule the Sunday games, the three games in a row, just, a, you know, a little bit on the staggered side. So, like, I get it. Monday Night Football is the biggest, you know, money making machine. It's also because it's the biggest betting machine. Right. And so they're kind of working in congruent with that, I think, and just trying to get soak as much out of it as they can. And I, it's it's like when they try to 
put the NFL combine on NFL network, right? Nobody's going to watch it yet. It gets decent ratings enough for it to keep going on. I watch it. (laughs) (laughs) There's one. You're the one. I'm the one. He's the one (laughs) in the ratings. Boom. Yeah. Somebody had to, I just watch it. Like, you know, 1.2 1.2 million times. That's, there, there it is. Yeah. That's what makes, that makes sense. It, it makes sense. That's where. I, that's how you're doing all your draft prep. I was wondering. Well, was yeah, wondering. yeah. When you guys were down and when we were down, like you know what, you knew that the quarterbacks were coming up. I, I did tune in for that, but I wasn't on for the whole thing. Maybe in the background if I'm cleaning or something like that, right? But this right. is. It's all. It's all marketing. It's all money. All eyes are going to be on this one. That's what it comes down to. You're right on that. That's that's kind of where I sit on this topic and this thing is it's it's obvious this isn't for the benefit of the teams, uh, but neither was week 18. Week 18 was a bit for the benefit of the players. It's totally for the benefit of the league. Um, this helped the league in a lot of ways. Um, more eyes watching the game, more people tuning in. Um, and how could week 18 have ended any better than the Niners going to overtime with the Rams and then the Raiders and Chargers game going into overtime? Steel- uh, Steelers game going into overtime, too. Yeah. So, I mean, you, yeah, huge all, all across the board all weekend. So I, I asked you, Alex, if you were a fan or not last week, you know, now we can Monday morning quarterback this. Are you a fan of week 18 now moving forward, considering there's three preseason games and not four as a fan? Yes. As a player? No. And if I'm a coach, I absolutely hate it because it's an extra week of prep. It takes away from, you know, maybe your team getting in or getting out. Um, but as a fan, from a fan perspective, the league can potentially schedule things and set things up in week 18 where you're probably every year going to have one or two or three or potentially four or five games potentially that are going to be hugely impactful throughout the league, which means more people watching, more people tuning in, a uh, bigger impact potentially on fantasy, more people. But I mean, it's 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 a gold mine for the league. They hit it out of the park with it. But if I'm a player having to play an extra game, not necessarily the greatest thing in the world. However, you know, We'll see what that ends up with the paychecks, what that ends up doing down the road. That may end up being a, plus, a positive for the players. Are the, you guys uh, ready for week 20 when that happens? <laughs> oh, my God. Because two, I'm telling you, 18-game season, two bye weeks, and then they now they're having the Monday night football game in preparation of having all eight teams on each side of the bracket make the playoffs, no bye weeks, full money go. That's how you're going to get the most money to the players. That's how the owners are going to capitalize on it. You're talking a full slate of games Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Holy. I could see it. I could 100% see it. I will say this, though, for Week 18. I thought their flex scheduling was very well done for Week 18. It was. Being able to flex schedule basically whatever they wanted to do, that was perfect. So bravo to them on that. Absolutely. Yeah, and the fact that they got lucky and had five games that had playoff implications – and then they threw most of those from afternoon you know, to the night. Uh, it did a good job of keeping everyone's eyes and attention on the game at the time. I thought that was well done. And, and, the, way, and the way the NFL is shaking out right now, it, it's, that, that won't change. They will get lucky every year and have at least three or four games. The salary cap makes the parity. You know? So when you have parity, you're going to have you know, close teams close by and matchups. Uh, so yeah, I think this is going to be a continuation. The ratings are going to go up. As the ratings go up, the money is oh. going to be more... And I think the rosters are going to get bigger. That's true, too. 
I didn't even see the ratings. I'm curious to see that. And don't forget the athletes that are coming out of college right now. This is college basketball as well, too. I mean, you see in the basketball game, guys that are drafted in the second round are making impact immediately. The type of athlete just coming out of college to the game now is, is so much farther superior than what we got even 10 to 15 years ago. So it just rounds out all the rosters. It makes you know, one through 53, absolutely crucial. Good call on the extra roster spot. So I, th- I definitely think that needs to be upped. Yeah, I think so. It all comes down to the NFLPA and the NFL coming to agreement because the NFLPA, even though they want more players employed, uh, the players don't want to share their salary. They don't want to share that money. Uh, so the salary cap needs to go up to be able to afford the extra players onto the roster. But I think they'll be co- come to a happy medium. And that is where <laughs> 18th game comes into hand. Because once you get an 18th game, there's a bigger share of the money. And then all of a sudden, you know, your roster goes from 53 to 60 or whatever it ends up being. Yeah. Um. So that that's. I, well, I then mean, you add the pl- the extra yeah. playoff team as well. That's an extra playoff game. Um. Yeah. No, then, then everything changes. Everything changes. As long as the owners forever. make money, then everyone else will make money. Accurate. And that's Be- what it comes down to. Be- before we get to your guys, or I'm sorry, to Alex's game. There you go. <laughs> um. Do you guys think the Cardinals have a chance with everything that you've heard from me, what you've seen? Do you guys think that we have any any type of chance to come back? Also, Marco Wilson, our number two DB, he's coming back. He's going to be playing. Uh, uh, So we'll have two of our starters from out of the four for the start of the year. He'll come back. And he worked obj when he when we played cleveland and he almost got two or three picks against obj on that monday night football game and he's only a rookie so i have high hopes on the defensive back front do you guys anything that you're seeing that to to give me a little bit of hope or anything or do you think it's going to just be a a steamroll job by the rams and sean McVay and company I don't think steamroll i don't think steamroll uh, i think you you two you've played each other twice this year you got one over on them. They got one over on you. And now the chips are down and, and you know, all the marbles are on the table. Um, I think you have you guys have one thing going for you, right? And that is the fact that Sean McVay, the 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 chink in the armor is bigger now than it's ever ha- ever has been. Because something that Sean mm. McVay is that, that has never happened to Sean McVay just happened. And when something happens to you that's never happened before, there's a few ways that you respond. You either bounce back in a big way or that thing starts to seep cracks into other areas as a coach and just as a person when something like that happens. Um, and it's a short turnaround. He's got to have a quick memory. And, and Sean McVay is a smart guy, and I'm, I'm sure he's going to come together with a with a huge game plan. But you guys have a lot of talent. Um, and getting J.J. Watt back does impact a lot of things on the front. And I think what we've seen now and what Ant and I have seen at least and what 49ers fans saw in this game is running the football against the Rams leads to success and stopping their ability to run leads to success because Matthew Stafford is prone to make mistakes and it comes down to capitalizing on those mistakes. If he makes them and you capitalize or if you force him to make them at the right time, you're going to end up in a spot that that is good for you. What it comes down to now is just limiting mistakes. If you guys limit mistakes, no shoot yourself in the foot, you guys could run away with this thing or at the very least find yourself with an opportunity at the end of this. I don't think this game is going to be anything else other than a slobber knocker. It's going to be close. Ooh. It's going to be grindy. It's going to be a beat down fest. I don't think either one of you is running away with this thing. I think it's going to be a close one. Yeah, I mean, I had some, that's why I had some questions for you about, like, you know, if DeAndre Hopkins was going to play. And then, of course, you know, I'm always wondering about Rodney Hudson's health to see how he is going to be. Um, those things are all going to be pivotal because I think Arizona does need to establish a run game against the Los Angeles Rams. If they don't and they're able to pin their ears back on the edge, 
um, with the guys they have there, like you mentioned, Vaughn Miller. But Aaron Donald, they ran a lot of stunts with him against the 49ers. They started lining him up outside and then bringing him on stunts on the inside on the, you know, the, the TE stunts. I think, I think those are kind of dangerous. Uh, so it's going to come down to can Arizona establish enough of a run game? It doesn't have to be a great run game, but it has to be at least consistent enough to make the Rams believe in it. And the reason I was asking about Hopkins is because if Hopkins is playing, Jalen Ramsey will cover him, which means you're going to have other options other places because the Rams don't have a great secondary. I know they have Rapp and he's good, but you can confuse him. You can move him around, especially if Rondell Moore was playing. Um, he'll go with him. Uh, so I think that there would be areas that you could attack. But if those guys aren't out there and Jalen Ramsey doesn't have to cover Hopkins, then he can go take away another threat. And if he can go take away another threat, it just limits the amount of weapons that you have to use. Um, so yep. those are the things you brought up Kyler Murray taking the big sacks. And that's the problem. If they can get to Kyler Murray on first down and create a sack, and me and Alex talked about this before, is then after that, you just play in front of the sticks. You know, you literally just limit, you tackle underneath. And um, so those are the those are the areas that I'm worried about with Arizona. But I think they're going to stay in. And I think this game will come down you know, to a couple of plays that are pivotal. I think Arizona does have a chance to win. Uh, and I think the Rams are going to have a good chance to win. If they play the physical nature that they played in the first half against the 49ers, they have a shot to run Arizona out of the building in the first half. The question is, though, can they sustain it? Um, if they can't sustain it and Arizona is able to kind of weather that storm, the second half could get real interesting real quick because I don't think the Rams' run game is good enough. I don't think Akers is good enough. I think Sony Michelle will get a few yards, but I don't think he can consistently run the football in Arizona, especially with a returning J.J. Watt. Uh, so then it's going to come down to Stafford, and Stafford hasn't proven yet that he can win in the playoffs just like Kyler Murray hasn't proven it. Uh, so it's going to come down to that pivotal moment of which quarterback can get it done at the end, and I'm not sure. We'll see. Whew. That was a lot to take in, but all of that was A-plus right there. So let's get into your guys' game. I've got to ask a really, really, really important question to you guys first. Okay. The Dallas secondary. Everyone's going to talk about a dude getting 11 receptions or interceptions, but also getting beat 1,000-plus yards. <laughs> to me, that was 100% their weakness when we beat them. Are you guys going to be able to exploit that secondary? I think I know what you're going to answer, but I'd love to hear, hear what you guys say. I'm going to say yes, but not for the reason people think. People think yes because, oh, you got Debo Samuel. Oh, you got Brandon Ayuk. You got George Kittle, Juwan Jennings coming into his own, right? Niners have all the weapons. You have the pieces to take advantage of the secondary. And it's, it's one name, right? It's Trayvon Diggs, Trayvon Diggs, Trayvon Diggs. Ah, the Cowboys' run defense is mediocre at best. Oh, at yeah. best, it's mediocre. And that's the strength of this football team. So guess what, Cowboys? We run the football. You're going to have to stick eight, nine guys in the box. You're going to have to show that five-man, six-man front that the Niners have seen all season from literally everyone that they've played. They have been preparing for this. They've been seeing this all season long. You're going to have to do something that you haven't done all season. You're going to have to make... Micah Parsons be a guy who plays down at the line of scrimmage consistently all game long, and we're either going to run away from him or he's going to be running, hopefully, directly at Trent Williams' large behind. Have fun with that, my guy, because he goes against Nick Bosa every week. He's going to be ready for your speed and everything you bring to the table. So I think for the Niners, you run the football, you establish that, you get them all up in the box, and then you put Trayvon Diggs in situations where, hey, you're going to have to be aggressive and come downhill, and those double moves and things of that nature are going to open things up. But also, it's going to leave less guys in that secondary. They're going to have to get after Jimmy quick. And what has Jimmy shown? When Jimmy can get the ball out quick on time and rhythm, when Kyle Shanahan is scheming it up, you know, you got a lot of positive things. Let's also not forget that Robert Quinn is the defensive coordinator. 
for that Atlanta Falcons team or for the Dallas Cowboys team. He was the head coach of the Atlanta Dan, Falcons. Dan Quinn. Dan, Dan, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. Excuse me. Dan Quinn. And Kyle Shanahan spent a lot of time under him. Spent a lot of time under him. He knows that scheme. He knows what he likes to do. He's going to be very prepared for what Dan Quinn's going to be doing. I was like, oh, shoot. Robert Quinn's going to be pass rushing for the Cowboys. Dan Quinn. My apologies. Uh, that would have been big. Both of you. Both of you. Um, but, yeah, I think that there's going to be a void that you're right. The run game is going to be big because it's going to create a void in the middle of the field where Jimmy Garoppolo likes to live. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, you know, consistently gets beat. I mean, that's something that happens. But ultimately, we saw the Eagles take advantage of the void underneath early. A- in the AJ game. Green beat him on a, on a little double move, like down the there field for go. 60 yards. Come on now. Yeah, Tra- Trayvon Diggs is going to get beat. I mean, that's just a matter of it. But I think the Fournier's are going to attack them, make them make tackles underneath, and just count on their playmakers to run after the catch. I think it's not going to be anything different than what they do every single week, establish the run. And I like the Micah Parsons coming to the line of scrimmage. Please do. Um, I want to put Tom Compton and, and Trent Williams blocking him in run-blocking situations. George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk coming back and kicking him out. And wham, that sounds great for me because I don't think Micah Parsons, as good as he is, can hold up for fourth quarter against that kind of beating. He's not somebody that's built to set the edge. This isn't J.J. Watt. This isn't Vaughn Miller. Um, this is a guy that's a rookie. I think they're going to get after him. They're going to run the ball. And I think uh, Dallas is going to get a taste of their own medicine from the 90s. It's, it's not exactly Emmitt Smith, uh, but Elijah Mitchell is about to get you know a lot of carries and really just pound the rock on him. I completely agree. There is, I don't see a scenario where you guys lose. And I think you guys are the most dangerous team going into the playoffs right now. I'd say more dangerous than the Packers for sure. So you guys have played, uh, well, I hate when you open up other tabs and other stuff starts playing in your (laughs) ear. Um, You guys have been playing playoff football for what the past four, shoot, six, seven, eight weeks. You know, yeah. you guys have been playing for your lives, and there's really something to be said about that as opposed to the Cowboys putting a 50 spot on the Redskins, losing at home uh, to Arizona, and then going on the road and and playing. It doesn't even matter who they played last week. They have the easiest division to play in. We have the hardest division to play in, and that itself is going to show up on Sunday. So, and, and then another question, this isn't as important. It's important to me because, you know, forks up Arizona State. What did I tell you about Brandon Ayuk starting slow and ending fast? <laughs> the first, what, six or seven games, he didn't even get to 100 yards receiving in seven games combined. And then all of a sudden he ended up with five touchdowns and eight, uh, we'll, we'll say 726 receiving yards after that six game what did you see out of uh, my favorite player you guys got brandon Ayuk uh after after you guys played the colts i guess kyle, kyle well what i saw was kyle yushek let a fighter a fire under his behind okay basically call him to the mat him respond in a huge way and then going back to being the guy that we saw in year one which is a guy that was a great incredible route runner um unique route runner um mm-hmm. and is basically winning every matchup that's what it felt like last year that good hands you know you call it you call his number and he's just gonna win he's gonna get open you're gonna put the ball in a catch radius where he can get it and he's gonna come down with it that's what happened that's what happened this this whole second half of the season is even the the arizona game and he gets a lot of flack in that arizona game because he made that catch he falls to the ground gets up tries to make a play and fumbles and and that was you know at a crucial time in the game where the niners were finally starting to get some momentum you guys were starting to pull away and you know what if we just come down here and score if we just score on this drive right here everything's gonna be fine and then he fumbled and people are like oh god here goes ba you know he came home on the football it's like uh, i don't know he, he's he has been an absolute 
I want to say godsend because Debo Samuel has been that for this team all season long with everything he's done, whether as a running back or receiver, but he's been the compliment. He's been the yin to the yang oh, that yeah. is Debo Samuel. Um, he's a guy that we can rely on. He's getting downfield. Um, every time he runs a deep route now, early in the season, teams blanketed Brandon Ayuk because they thought they had to bra- blanket Brandon Ayuk because they thought he was you know, the guy that we were scheming up to get open. Now they are blanketing Brandon Ayuk pretty much anytime he's running any sort of route over 10 or 15 yards. And if they're not blanketing him, they're blanketing Debo. And if they're not blanketing Debo, it's George. We have that third piece now that is drawing attention because he has to draw attention. Because if you don't draw attention here in the situation, he could beat you. And that's huge for the 49ers because it's no longer a guessing game in terms of who does Kyle Shanahan wants to go to. For Jimmy Garoppolo, it's very simple. What is the coverage showing you pre-snap? Where are they rolling and where are they going with it? And now who am I coming to underneath because of that? Um, and it's it's huge for this 49ers team. In the first, was, in the first, I got one stat for you, Evan. Yeah. In the first six weeks, his separation from defenders was about one yard. Um, since week seven, it's just over three yards. Uh, so he's he's separating at an all time high, and that's why he's gonna go ahead and you know make the plays that he's making. When he's out there, he makes the catches. He doesn't usually have drops. Uh, but that's been the big part. It seemed like all of a sudden he flipped a switch, and he went from you know struggling to get in and out of his breaks to all of a sudden being that guy. And ever since then, he he has been one of those guys, and his numbers are very close to last season. The first bowl game we played, I think it was Fresno State, if I'm not mistaken. That's when Fresno State had the, had the one wide receiver that, who we drafted, and I can't remember who it is now. That just killed everybody. Um, they Fresno State won that game, but that was Brandon Ayuk's coming out party. Comes in his senior year, because he was a JUCO transfer, comes in his senior year, does nothing the first few weeks, and then towards the end of the season, lit everybody up. And our biggest game of the year, he set out that bowl game, which I totally understood going into the draft. But the next big game was an upset win over Oregon, which would have put Oregon in the college football playoff. And he just tore up that game. So the two biggest games of his ASU career, he came out and I want to say he did over 120 yards and two TDs in each game. He was a monster. Expect that this game when the lights are on, when the biggest and brightest game is going on, he consistently showed up in a big big way um then the next question i got for you well more of an observation really i was on uh asap sports network last night we were going through all the playoff matchups everybody agreed this was the best matchup of of the first round i agree too i think it's gonna you guys are gonna win handily but i think it's gonna be a very entertaining game from a fan standpoint probably from a 49ers standpoint (laughs) but there's a cowboys fan on there so that your guys's defensive line is not going to be, be able to handle the Cowboys offensive line. And I interrupted right there and I said, listen, that is by far the best defensive line that we played all year. And we had to do it twice. Now, obviously we didn't play Tampa Bay and big beat of a, and those guys for, from a run standpoint, right? You can make that argument, but from what I saw, you guys were by far the most physical and fast defensive line. Do you agree with that guy's assessment on, on Cowboys O-line? <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Does he realize his own line's not even healthy? Yeah. Listen, listen, he's a Lakers fan and he's a Cowboys fan. Oh. I'm sure he's a Yankees fan too. So Oh, goodness gracious. Go. Look, the, cool, the Kool-Aid is strong with that one. <laughs> hey, listen, you you can have that much faith in your own line. I get it, but they're not healthy right now. They haven't been healthy for a handful of weeks and if there's one thing years. the Niners yeah, that's also true. It's been a few years. You're you're not wrong there. If there's one thing the Niners have going for them, 
it's the D-line and the depth. It isn't just your first four. It's everything after that. It's the seven guys you have behind the first four as well that's a problem. Yeah. Um, when the Niners, when the first four rolls off the field, the next four coming in start anywhere else in the league. They very well could. Kevin Givens has been playing lights out. Kentavious Street has been lights out. Jordan Willis has shown that when you get him out of the New York Jets organization and with a defensive line coach who knows what he's doing, that he can be a problem. Uh, they made the move for Charles Amenahue, and he has been lights out when he's on the field. Samson Ebucom has slowly been coming into his own all season. And Eric, or Eric Armstead, since they moved him on the interior, the Eric Armstead-DJ Jones tandem is just nightmarish for teams. Someone's getting double teamed and the other person is eating is what it looks like is happening now pretty much every week since they moved them on the interior. Um, I, the Cowboys D offensive line on the interior is better than I think we've faced in the last few weeks, but I'll tell you what it is, Ant. It isn't the interior that we faced early in the season with even like the Philadelphia Eagles right. interior O-line, which was way better. Uh, way better than these guys did. And even the, the Lions interior O-line, they have a, a Pro Bowl center and, and, and a couple of guards there on the interior that are were pretty solid for them. Um, I, I'm I'm not worried about the Dallas O-line, but I don't think that the Dallas O-line is something that we can't handle. Uh, I think the big change, too, was the fact that Eric Armstead, you know, when he went inside, it was a, a different style of play that these offensive lines were playing against the 49ers. They were basically double teaming at the point of attack, pushing the guy into the linebackers. Um, since DJ Jones and Eric Armstead, you know, have been playing in tandem, uh, they've won with penetration. They've been splitting double teams. They haven't been taking those double teams on, but fighting through them and getting upfield. DJ Jones and Armstead consistently win, uh, and it there hasn't been an offensive line that has been able to stop them consistently, and that's why they've been one of the best run defenses in the league. So I absolutely have no doubt that they're going to be able to handle this, you know, Dallas offensive line. I think that this is, I mean, last year I called Eric Armstead having two sacks against the Dallas Cowboys um, from him playing interior. I have no doubt that he's going to cause the same amount of problems. And if you're going to worry about Nick Bosa, that means you're not worried about Eric Armstead. And that is a problem for you. And I think he's going to show up in a big way. So we'll see. It's like pick your poison with these guys. Uh, and the way, like Alex said, with the, the depth, the waves keep coming. So, you, I mean, the second series of the game against the Rams, uh, we had our second unit in, and they were still putting the same amount of pressure on that the first team was. I admit I have not been watching as many podcasts or listening in the past, uh, I don't know, six to eight weeks as I'd like to. But, man, it seems like you guys specifically, you two, have been on just the train ride up in a roller coaster of a lifetime with this team, up and down. It was awful to start, then it got good, and then you'd lose again, and it's put in Trey Lance and all the fan overreactions, but you are in the dance too. The Dallas finishes sentence. The Dallas Cowboys will beat the San Francisco 49ers. If, uh, Ant, let's start with you. If the 49ers can't establish the run, Ooh. if they can't establish the run game, if Dallas is able to stop this 49ers run game, the Dallas Cowboys will 100% win the game. I like it. I like Alex it. Dallas Cowboys will win the football. You can't game. say the same thing though. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to go. If, if the 49ers uh, basically have penalties, so the 49ers shoot themselves in the foot, well, I guess this is the way we'll go with it. So if the 49ers shoot themselves in the foot, penalties, turnovers, um, you're getting DPIs. That's not good for you. You're getting uh, silly stuff like Dre Greenlaw did last week with some face masks. Basically when the play is over, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to put yourself mm -hmm. in a bad situation. The 49ers can't extend drives and give extra opportunities to the Cowboys. If they do that for them, then you're making their life easier because everything about this matchup screams life is difficult for Dallas. 
Um, you're going to run the football. That's that's difficult for Dallas. You're going to be able to control the time of possession. That's difficult for Dallas. They're mm-hmm. not going to get a lot of possessions offensively because you have the ball and they're extending drives. That's a problem for Dallas. That's their strength. Their strength is the offense, being able to put up points, those types of things. So life should be difficult for Dallas. Don't make it easier for them if you're the Niners. Avoid silly mistakes. Avoid extending drives for them and avoid giving them second possessions. And correct me if I'm wrong, a couple of my keys for you guys, just, you know, I I don't watch every single game of both teams. So again, correct me if I'm wrong. If they are able to knock Jimmy Garoppolo off his spot consistently, that's going to turn into to be a problem. And if they, Dallas, if they are able to establish the run, and I'm not talking about, you know, seven, eight, nine yard runs, if they're able to get four to five yard runs and create a couple holes, if Dallas can then work the play action, which is, in my opinion, when they're most explosive, that's when it's going to be a problem. Do you guys, would you guys agree with that assessment or am I just off base? I think you're right as far as Dallas's offense. If they can establish the run, uh, the 49ers do not want to commit an eighth guy to the box. They want to stop it with seven, and so far they've been able to do that. Last week, the Rams went heavy offensive line with two extra offensive linemen, and the 49ers still stopped them with seven, and occasionally they brought a safety in for eight. But they don't want to commit that guy. They want to help those guys on the outside. Uh, that's the same thing they're going to want to do. They want to stop C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper from getting going. So they're going to want to keep you know that second safety back. Uh, so, yeah, if they can establish the run and then ultimately the play-action pass, Dallas could be dangerous against the 49ers. It's all predicated on that part of the game, for sure. I think you're right, definitely. You're right on that. And another thing, too, with the play-action is that allows you to move the pocket with Dak and use another oh, weapon yeah. and a strength, and that's something the Niners have struggled with is mobile quarterbacks. Well, this year? Uh, not as much this year as in years past, Ant, but it's it's been a, it's been a theme. It has been a theme it of the 49ers. Is Dak, Kyler Murray, and Russell Wilson, Heck though, no. moving with Heck his, no. with his Heck legs? Heck no, he's not. Yeah. But we have seen Carson Wentz have some success. We have seen some semi-mobile quarterbacks have You're some success Carson against Wentz. the Niners. Carson oh, Wentz is sneaky semi-mobile. athletic. That's the correct term well, we use. I, I think he was before injury. I mean, even now, yeah. I mean, he looks like he's moving a lot slowly. But when he came into the he league, does. he was. Um, but the, the plays that he had against the 49ers was because they were playing against a guy they believed was completely stationary. Well, that is They're also... They're not going in with a game plan like that against also, Dak that's Prescott. That's also true. You, know. You're, you, are, you are correct. Frank Reich took advantage against the Niners in that game. The, the RPOs and the yeah. read option stuff that he was pulling up with, with Wentz and Wentz's fakes in those games were, were fantastic. But yeah, Dak, you're a little more aware of his athleticism and his yeah. mobility. I feel like I just kind of jacked your segment a little bit, just asking you guys all, all, oh, all the questions no. here. <laughs> no, no, no. There was no jacking the segment. It's perfect, man, because this is what we want, right? We want to have this conversation and, and really look at this and, and get, uh, you know, from an outside perspective, right. what you're thinking of the game. Hearing hearing you talk about this game and feeling as confident as you do for the Niners uh, makes me feel better. I've been I, wrong I about good. a lot of things, I mean, though. Take that with a grain of salt, mm, you guys. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I said from the, I said from the minute we knew it was Dallas that I wanted Dallas. Uh, this is something I wanted. I thought this was a good matchup for the 49ers. I mean, Dak gives me a little bit of concern because he can move the pocket, but out of the teams that were available, everyone's dangerous. It's just it's Dallas true. to me made the most sense for the 49ers uh, to be able to attack. I think, you know, I mean, if, if Dallas can hang in this game, then it, then it gets you nervous a little bit. Uh, but you know, right now I'm going to ride high on the fact I'm going to, I'm going to allow myself to be a little bit of a prisoner of the moment of this season and say, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo though, in those big moments, he can get it done. I mean, he's proven in every single game, whether it was green Bay leading him down there to, you know, take the lead. Um, you know, he's just done it consistently. Even Seattle, he put him in an opportunity to be able to win. Um, I'm always feeling like at least we have a chance and I haven't seen that from Dak uh, until we do. Then, you know, I'm going to go ahead and ride with, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers.
I am disappointed that all the NFC the, that we're playing an NFC West team. I wanted to see how all three teams would do right. against another opponent, just because I feel like our division prepped our teams for what's about to come and what's about to happen. So it's unfortunate on my end. I, I know in all honesty, I was rooting for the Rams to win because I wanted to play Dallas. I felt more confident in that you. as well, too. I told Alex before the show, he said, I, th- I have a feeling Evan would have wanted to yeah. play Dallas. I mean, at the same time, you if if you guys won, which you did, and we would have won, we get a division title. Are you ever going to say no to a division title? Heck no, you're not going to. Probably. I mean, in the 28 or 29 years that the Cardinals have been in Arizona, this is going to be the sixth time that we've made the playoffs. And it's it's nothing to to look down at. We backed into it. Cliff Kingsbury does a lot of bonehead things, things I wouldn't even do in Madden when I'm playing friends or on on, on easy <laughs> mode. But you know what? We're here. And in my opinion, regardless of what, other than losing 50 to three in a playoff game, I think Cliff Kingsbury deserves to come back another year. So that's where I'm at with the team. And on Twitter, I'm posting the Cardinals are going to win. We're going to beat them on Monday night. I'm rah, rah, rahing. I got the day off because it's Martin Luther King Day. Probably another reason, by the way, they have uh, a Monday night game, which is on Martin Luther King Day. So everybody can tailgate or do whatever, right? I'm going to be smoking something awesome on the on the Traeger outside. And it's, it's going to be a fun day because playoff football is better than no playoff football. And I don't know if you guys are college football fans or whose team you are. Obviously, I'm an Arizona State fan and, you know, making going six or seven Florida State, Florida State, Florida State. So even getting six or seven wins and making a, a low bowl game is still better than no bowl game, no matter what. So here we are. And I think it's going to be a really fun weekend from a fan's perspective. Oh, it's my favorite weekend. I mean, it really is. The wild card weekend is my favorite because it's going to be all over the place. There's going to be a ton of games to watch and you just never know what's going to happen. Big leads go away in a hurry. Um, you know, teams come out of nowhere, whether it was Andrew Luck coming back against Kansas City, um, yeah. Kansas City making big comebacks. There's always something going on, and it's always exciting. Um, Bengals blowing it with penalties, you know, back in the day. Where, uh, there's just so wow, many cool good, things. Good and, one. and then you start getting into all the matchups that come after that, and it gets exciting. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I want hey. the full gauntlet. Give me Cowboys. Give me Packers. Give me the Buccaneers in the, in the yep. NFC Championship. I want it all. Yep, I completely agree. Hey, real quick on the Bucks and the Eagles. I get a really weird feeling Jalen Hurts might be able to pull out a 2001 Mike Vick performance like uh, the Falcons Ooh. at the Packers. Hey, listen, what? I, because it's because of all the craziness going on with the Bucks, right? All of the injuries, all of the guys out, questions about your running backs. Are they going to be healthy? Can they go? You know, the A-B drama, everything that they're dealing with, all the distractions there. It, I, I understand that feeling. I get He's it completely. He's dynamic as hell, man. Don't Don't discount him. And look, that they found they found something with their the Eagles did find something late in the year with the run game and Sirianni dialed in a little bit. The only question is, is it enough? Is it enough to right. take down Tom? Is it enough to take down that defense? A defense that is predicated no, on being able no to No Richard Sherman. He went on the IR a couple hours ago. He's done for the year. Wow. Yeah, he said he's gonna be coaching, right? I think he said he's gonna Yeah, he retired and everything. Too. He's done yeah. done. Oh wow. Yeah, he like basically flipped it to coaching now. He's going to help his guys out. That's what he said. Yeah. Wow. He pulled he pulled an Antonio Brown except put a uh, coaching hat on. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> and didn't leave, didn't walk off there in the sideline in the middle look, of the game. Look, hey, it's, look it's, at the Buccaneers just ending careers left and right. Jeez Louise, man. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, our Rams correspondent like down there with the fire, with the fire. That's right. Uh, Good look, stuff, you guys. Be, 
Hey, the wild card weekend is going to be yeah. absolutely crazy. It's going to be fun. It is going to be super. Um, and we're all here for it. We're excited for it. Hopefully we get to have another one of these next week with both of our teams coming out with a big W and, and matchups to discuss. Uh, but Evan, regardless of whether or not that is, let everyone know where they can find you. At He's On Fire Pod on Twitter, at Coach Evan B on Twitter, and you can find my podcast, He's On Fire Podcast. We are going to be doing a live stream for the game if anybody's interested. So Monday night, Rams, Cardinals, we're going to be doing a full live stream. Uh, the Suns are also playing at the same time if any of your fans are, are interested. So we're going to be kind of doing like the dual thing, two games going on with one podcast. So come check us out. Uh, if you guys are bored, Ant and Alex, if you guys are bored, we'll send an invite. Come on and, and join, join for a quarter and watch with us as well too we'd love to have you and it sounds hey. like fun ant let everyone know where they can find you oh wait that's here they can find me in sofi stadium because we absolutely <laughs> own the los angeles rams six oh. and oh baby six and oh baby 45 and one after halftime now you're welcome sean mcveigh <laughs> i don't know if you saw there was a great gift that a, a not a gift but a meme a 49ers uh a 49ers personality on instagram put out it was shiana mcveigh Shiana, ah. Shiana McVeigh, 49ers fan for life. Hey. She's got like 49ers gear on. It's it's Sean McVeigh's face. I, I wanted I wanted to bring this up. Sean McVeigh partying in the end zone in the second quarter up 17 nothing, right? Oh yeah. What happened? Massive collapse. I don't mean to bring up the Super Bowl thing with you when all you guys went over to the end zone your defense, took the picture and whatnot. And then remember the picture of the Giants and Odell Beckham Jr. and all them, they went on the boat and oh. they all took the picture and they've been trash ever since, right? Mhm. Mm something like that might play into Arizona's favor because when you do trash like that it bites you in the ass hey, big was, time i mean he did it with deshaun jackson earlier in the year deshaun jackson and then deshaun the jackson wanted out of los angeles with the rams uh, who knows man this is sean McVay's thing though i've seen him do this a, a handful yeah. of times this year and it drives me up a wall every time he does it so i'm glad he got some comeuppance when has talking shit really ever worked out in your favor if you're not michael jordan or Tom Brady. Just yeah, don't you, do it. Did you hear the Rams were saying to George Kittle, uh, get him a body bag and all that stuff? Because he said, Kittle said it was going to be a body bag kind of game, but he meant for both sides, like both guys, yeah. were, you know, trying to take him out. So they were, they were up 17-0 yelling at him, get him a body bag. And so he said, oh, I can't wait to see those guys again. Hey, stay, <laughs> stay classy, LA. I mean, I don't know if you guys are NBA fans and you saw the Suns and the Lakers this past uh, series when LeBron was going like this and the, and everybody on the bench was going crazy and they were mocking the Suns, and then they didn't win another game. So, so just don't do it in sports. <laughs> hey, nothing, nothing better than the King getting some comeuppance every now and again, yeah. and he's dominated the league for some time. It's time for him to pass well, the torch to him and else. all the other superstars they put on this team. <sighs> that's also true. There's a lot of superstars. There that's another pod. That's a good talk for my podcast. We'll bring you guys. That, on. Is, that is a good talk for another <laughs> podcast. Evan, always glad having you on. Ant, glad that you took over for the Bramley, I, I guess. And uh, Cutback Crew, we hope you enjoyed this. We'll see you on hopefully another one. Quest for the West is officially over. The Rams have walked away with it. But now playoff time is here. We'll see how this thing shakes out. Go Cards!